Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Good morning. Here we go. It's up and running. Lots of things are moving and shaking. I'm seeing stuff on the Power BI blog coming out. I'm seeing releases starting to show up here. Set this morning. I think I think there's good stuff coming. There's a lot of stuff slated for March of this year to start getting out there. You must be speaking of the release and roadmap planner, right? That's exactly. Seth this morning dropped me a link and said, hey, check this out. There's some stuff coming down the roadmap here. I'm like, hmm, let's take a quick gander at this one. Let me, uh, I'll throw a link here in the chat window for those of you who are not following along or haven't really followed the Power BI blog. Here's the link for, I. it's technically Dynamics 365, which is weird. Um, this word data platform, but it's not really that, but it's kind of linked, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, the link's in the chat window for those who are checking it out. Um, this is the roadmap coming up. Anything else? Any, I don't know if you had any chance to look at any of the options here. Anything that kind of popped yeah, up to you? Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a couple of big ones. Um, uh, one coming in March, data set authoring in the Power BI service. Oh, ho, ho. my goodness. It's the, happening. The Power Query diagram view in Power BI Desktop. Also oh, in March. That's Dude, a great. If, if they hit the March timeline, man. Like that's, There's going to be a ton of stuff. Yeah. There's some big months coming in here. It's a, a lot of work. Have you guys Talk. tried out the uh, Excel? That Not only that, but they have the uh, connection with Excel, the live connection with Export. Yes. I have, te- I have Everybody it. has wanted forever. It's so, so good. A live table oh. inside Excel up to 500,000 rows of data now. Mm, yeah. So it's almost, it's, what's the stipulation though? It's not like a download. It's basically connect to live, right? You're connecting to the, yes. the data source. But it's like producing a full table though. So it's mm-hmm. it's essentially you're, you can pick a visual and then live connect to that data. So again, you still need a pro license to be able to get back to the data. So this is not something where you're going to be able to export a bunch of stuff. However, though, if you're live connecting to the data, that table just exists and you can just refresh it later on, which... Yeah, that's what it should be doing. Yeah. There's cool. another one that caught my eye because we were talking about it, I think, last week. Uh, the ability to actually author calculation groups. Oh, nice. So that means you don't have to yeah. do that. In I saw that one. Third-party tools. Okay, this is maybe they heard us. I think they heard us on episode like 160, <laughs> I think, is this one. They said, create and share paginated reports on the web. I was like, yeah. That program's super light, man. It's a small program. There shouldn't be much to it. Just make the whole thing work in the web. And boom, there it is. Uh, Slated for July 2023. Uh, Yeah, what's crazy about that is um, if you look in the Power BI Premium, uh, the last one is send unique report per recipient with paginated report email subscriptions. And if you're an old SSRSer like myself, that certainly sounds like uh, data-driven subscriptions. Yeah, which is we we were talking about like, oh, it's a good thing that's not in there anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like now, now, hey, we potentially have the ability to basically you set up some parameters that look at the data. They'll automatically filter the report, and then you had some options to like, I believe, like change the report name itself, or you'd have an email that would go along with that filter, and then you could just basically you know execute a paginated report. 
it would loop through with the filter sets and then shoot out an email to whoever you had had mapped to that particular filter. Nice. It's, it, I mean, it, it used widely for, for those folks who like things showing up in their email inbox. I think, I think our discussion revolved around like, I would like to know that people actually look at it uh, right. as opposed to it just yep. landing in an email inbox, but Hey, more options, the better. Exactly right. Any I'm stick out to you guys? Trying to look to see if there's some other options here. I just found the Power BI Premium section as well. Looking through there real quickly and see if there's anything yeah. that was. A lot of purview, a couple purview things that uh, get yeah. stuck into analysis services or log analytics for analysis services engine. There's a lot of stuff front loaded. I'm excited. It'll, it'll, like, yeah. It's going to be a couple big months in uh, March, April. For you data scientists out there, there's going to be Power BI embedding inside Jupyter Notebooks. So if you're looking to create data frames or you'll be able to take a data frame from a, Jupyter, a notebook and zip the notebook together and be able to drop in a quick Power BI report on top of that, that's kind of a neat feature there. That's coming out in March 2023, looks like. Anyway, good stuff in there. Go check it out. Um, it's uh, nice that, man, it, maybe... It, couple years in and microsoft started doing the roadmap i don't think it was right out of the gate um but it's certainly it's, nice it's more they, really, it's that they share that for, pre like, pre-information that's coming yeah right here you go bunch of things anyways that's oh, funny they actually have a tracker on top planned coming soon try now that's kind of cool the other one the yeah. other section here yeah, i think that's that it's nice also too. well the other thing the other one i think is also interesting here based on the release plan here is they've broken out power query to its own section it's called data integration and that's another one to kind of i think watch um, because it breaks out data flows power query online power query desktop all those things separately which is interesting to me even though it's the, it's connectors data flows vena gateways yeah but if you like power bi like in the in the pro it was still talking about um power query itself like I just said, like the diagram view. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying like they're they're adding they're, they're kind of breaking out. You have to look at two places. You have to look at the Power BI section because there's mm -hmm. a lot of Power BI specific things. You have to look at like okay, what happens in data integration? Because they're they're kind of making some moves there, I believe as well. Oh, I see what you're saying. I toggled mm -hmm. on uh, try now. It, it looks like April 2023. We're going to start seeing GPT with Power Query. I'm not if it's I don't know if it's GPT, but it's like natural language interface generates new Power Query steps. Oh, dude! Like, uh, so data integration, all release plans yeah. under Power Query Desktop. There's a new Power Query experience in Desktop coming in March. Yeah. Because yeah. like, are you is, excited, Tommy? I love. <laughs> I this is like my favorite time of year. It's been two months of very nothing from the microsoft team they haven't updated vs code in two months okay tommy uh, be, be gracious all right they I, have I'm vacations and families like, they have children just like you do so you know sometimes they don't need to be working on tommy's next greatest feature they need to go back home and say hello to their family <laughs> and like open presents and do like you know family-based things I'm as opposed to work I'm all getting, the time i'm just saying i'm getting very excited for this good I think there's a lot of exciting things coming. I, and I like the idea that they're bringing a lot of the improvements they've made in Power Query Online down to desktop. I think that's going to be awesome. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the Power Query or the Data Flows experience more and more um, 
from the online experience. I think they're doing a great job there. Definitely clicking, picking up the speed a bit. Let's jump into some other quick announcements here. We had a couple other events happening around the world here. So uh, March, 17, March 14th through 18th, you can join SQL Bits. Um, we have a discount for everyone here. So if you want to, you can join SQL Bits March 14th through 18th at the ICC Wales in the UK. You can get a 5% discount with Power BI Tips 5. I'll throw that in the chat window here. You can go register at sequelbits.com. And then if you want to uh, not travel, if you want to attend a virtual conference as well, I mean, I think SQLbits has a, a portion of it that's also virtual. So I think you can also participate if you're not traveling there. But if you want to go to another conference, there's a Power BI Summit virtual conference. It's the globalpowerbisummit.com, and that is March 6th through the 10th. It's another kind of cool event. Tommy tonight is firing up the Chicago user group. We got it, yeah. We figured it out. We, we had some scheduling challenges, but we've we ironed we ironed it out. Had a little miscommunication on which week we were doing it, but uh, we're going to do a um, theme color themes or theming inside Power BI Desktop with the Power BI or the Chicago user group. I'll throw the link here in case you want to join. Love to have you. We'll be virtual, so you'll be able to see it um, online if you'd like. We'll be streaming it in case you don't want to show up at Tommy's house and watch him do. Theming there. Any other kind of key announcements we should we should check out here? We talked about the live connections, which I think is pretty cool. We talked about the roadmap. Anything else you guys found this week that was kind of interesting? I've been playing around with the Viva goals actually in um, the integration with Power BI, mm. and they they finally did it. But it's really awesome, and I'm actually beginning to use the Viva goals for uh, some of my projects that are going on, but utilizing the, just the same integration with Power BI, choose a data set, choose a data point. So that's something that hopefully I can do a session on by itself with Viva Goals and Power BI. Honestly, tonight with our user group, like I said, it's super exciting because we have really, for those who have wondered, it's not just about, um, you know, the the standard visuals, but it's like, how do you actually get the right colors? And if you're anything like me, there's a lot of, a lot of research on like, maybe that color's not right. Maybe you don't use the brand colors. So mm -hmm. some really neat tools out there to kind of set you up and then utilizing, um, power BI theme generator, but then also uh, JSON to really create the theme that you want. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for getting metrics and, and goals here real quick. We're, we're switching over from OGSMs into OKRs. So. Uh, real ramping up into a, a new year of exciting objectives. Oh, you said you're moving away from OKRs? Uh, no, we're moving from OGSMs into OKRs. I see. Okay, then. Yeah, then go, Viva goals would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I like this whole goals thing. I think there, there's a use case here that I'm not sure many people have picked up on. I just stumbled across one within an organization. Goals are interesting because you can pluck many different metrics from different data sources or different teams of people who own critical information. I think we talked about this in the podcast previously, but I had a real epiphany thinking like when you talk about executive leadership, there is usually a consolidated list of KPIs that we need to know about our business. It could be regional based. It could be team based. It could be, you know, business unit based, but often the data owned by each of those teams are owned by different teams. It's not the same team trying to report on the same metrics. 
So I really like this idea of being able to have, this is, this kind of speaks to the, the Power BI adoption roadmap talking about data stewardship and saying, oh, by the way, we're going to push the requirements of these data sets or this you know, financial information that comes from the finance team. It's up to you guys to make sure that your data set is running and refreshing. And then other teams may have other requirements. And then you don't have to have, this has been really interesting for me because typically we would have the discussion of we, the BI team, is like this intermediary man. We own we own the freshness of the data, making sure it stays fresh and is working, but we don't have any responsibility to actually own the data. So if the data is wrong or the source system is screwed up for whatever reason, it's Excel or whatever, that instability of the source system impacts us, which then everyone comes to one to us and say, hey, my report's not working. You're like, not my problem. Other team made a dumb, dumb thing and they, they their data broke. <clears throat> So then we're kind of like, we're like the middleman. We have to like walk over there. Okay, your data broke, fix it. Walk back to leadership. Okay, it's coming. So I, I feel like these metrics pieces of this allows the ability to then provide data stewardship all the way down to the people who are responsible. I think I just, maybe this was already there the whole time and other people were seeing it before I was, but I think I had this like light bulb moment was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. How about you guys? Am I just catching up to you? I'm catching up to Tommy, apparently. I, I just, I just, every time you start talking, it's exciting about metrics and, and goals. I, I just, I keep going back to the, the first conversation where you, you just poo-pooed all of it. And all in this it. one, it's like, it's like a lifetime of meals, I think, for Tom. Lifetime of steak. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> good, yeah. <laughs> we could have said Tommy off. a lifetime of oh, steak. Awesome. Oh, that could work. Let's jump into some topic for today. So our, our main topic today is going to be kind of around, should we add more icons and buttons to our Power BI reports? So this will be interesting to kind of see um, where we take this one today. I think this is going to be, I don't know, my opinion here. I have some opinions on this one. So I'll, I'll just kind of open it up here. Uh, maybe we'll kick it over here to Tommy. Tommy, give us a little bit of a setup here. Should we be adding more icons and more buttons into reports? Where's, where's kind of the theme going to go for today? So I think it's a lot of really focused first on the accessibility. And I think a lot of times we've talked much data to ink. We've talked about all these in terms of, um, you know, like we want to make it as minimal as possible. But one of the links that we'll, we'll make sure to share uh, in the chat and will be on the episode really kind of takes that in a sense that stance and kind of puts it on its head in terms of really allowing what Power BI can do from an accessibility from, and really from honestly having the buttons, the most prominent thing. I personally love that experience, especially when I'm diving into new data sets or new reports. Um, honestly, for a lot of uh, uh, beginner users or users who are just getting into Power BI, that's almost the way you want Power uh, you want your reports to be uh, rather than 18 bar charts and all the tables, um, you know, allowing a quick and easy experience. So I think the idea here is, should we have more in a sense, make it more of that data application that we've talked about in the past? So I thought you were going to kind of go this direction, Tommy, and I, I really like what this is, where this is going. So there's two links that I put in the chat window here. One is a Power BI community data story where there's some really interesting use of, or buttons or things in the report 
looks a lot more like what we would call, I think we've coined this before, is like a data application, right? It, it literally looks like an app a bit more. Um, if you look on Power BI Tips website, there's actually been a couple individuals who've built full-on games inside the DAX engine. So Phil Seamark has been one who's, he's built Minecraft, or not Minecraft, um, uh, Minesweeper. Minecraft would be amazing if you could do that in DAX. That'd be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he, he built a 3D na maze navigation uh, application kind of in there. So, I mean, you could literally build very elaborate experiences if you know how to work with the engine correctly and can build more of an, an experience around the report as opposed to just, here's a couple bar charts, move on. So I, I like I like this part of it. My hesitation here is, as I think about all the time invested for these reports, I don't think every report has to look like this. And so that's kind of, this is kind of like a little bit of my reservation here on, on portions of this is like, yes, I love good looking reports, but I think their time invested, a majority, 90% of your reports are not going to be this well styled most often. So, so to, yeah, and I agree with that. And it was actually like typing out the question as you were, you were saying oh. it, which is funny <laughs> because like there, there's two kinds of interactions like that you get with buttons and icons, at least from from my perspective. One is informational, right? You're trying to convey something above and beyond what would just be in the report visualizations or titles or something like that. And then the other is navigation or the actual kind of UI interactions that you would want on the page, which I think we have a lot more capabilities in. And then that like in those, there's a whole bunch of nuance of like how you go about applying those buttons, what actions they prompt in and whatnot, which I think we can discuss further. But I guess uh, your question was like, which which reports should have it? Yes. Or, or what like what reports yes. would you go full out in? Which is is the one question I think we should dive into. But then following that is. Um, if we're not going to do it at every report, are there any of these things that we would that do belong in every report? Not everything, but like what are the the bare minimum? So, do you think the think it depends on both the audience in a sense the the user, the organization, um, and what the report's purpose is? And I feel like there's pro there's probably no underlying always this uh, yes or no to this, but I think it really depends on, again, <coughs> excuse me, some of those variables. Is this uh, focused on the executive? Is this focused on something that they're not going to look at again? For example, that even though I do love those buttons and bookmarks, if I had to look at that, if I was trying to review that data on a weekly basis for my own numbers, mm -hmm. say the OKR, well, now in a sense it gets old because it is so static. I'm not doing any output in it, um, kind of compared to like something like a Power Apps. So I agree with you, Tommy. I, where, where I'm getting hung up here a bit is, or maybe not getting hung up, maybe where I'm, I'm thinking about this is, there needs to be a common language of how you build things in your company, regardless, like whatever, like I've seen a number of, of organizations where they just start flipping where the navigation bar lives in random places. Like the, the nav war will start at the left and then halfway through the report, someone decides, oh, I'm bored with the left. I'm bored with the left nav bar and the nav bar switches to the right. The amount, the, the level of cognitive load that now occurs between flipping stuff around and knowing where to click, unless you've been trained on the report, 
it's not as intuitive as you may like. I've also found, you know, for example, if you're, I, I'm finding that I'm building more additional pages versus trying to build a bookmark to show and hide different visuals on the same page. And I, I feel like from a management standpoint, like I'm the developer, from a developer standpoint, it's actually much easier to just say, hey, you just want to switch something around here? Just go to a different page. Just here's here's the new visuals. Just go to this page. Here's your you know new layout of whatever visuals there are. Or if you're switching out a visual, it just seems to be easier to go there and just add another page. And then again, just being more clearly about more clearly noting on your report what are the various um you know page navigation elements. So I the more we go down this route, the more we add buttons and other things on there. I feel like there needs to be more uh, thought and care to what is the consistent user experience. Because once you've designed this, there you go. Like you, now you have a language of how you navigate that should be consistent across many reports. What are you I mean, guys I agree with that. But at the same time, like I think audience are, you know, like who, who, who is going to get the report is a slippery slope because I could say like, okay, embedded, like if you're, if you're creating reports for customers and they're paying for it, like mm -hmm. you should go all out, right? Like anything sure. is on the table as far as navigation or information so mm -hmm. that they'd be able to easily digest the report. Yep. Um, but the minute, like, then I started typing down like, well, you know, we should also do that in widely used internal reports or, um, you know, key. But then t that goes back to your point where, well, everything could be widely used. How do you know what the audience is going to be automatically? Like which reports do we invest it in? And then, that drives, I think, Mike, into what you were talking about, which is related to buttons and icons, but maybe not, which is just having a standard way in which we present information to to people. And if we're doing that in reporting, to me, I I think you were I think you said this, but like having different pages mm -hmm. would be a much easier implementation. Yes, if if we're talking about internal reporting, right? Like I think if so. I have a if I have a metrics information page. <laughs> And then like maybe every report has an intro guide page that just gets tagged along for the very basic mm -hmm. user or yes. somebody who's completely unfamiliar with Power BI because you don't know where they're going to be interjected into the system if it's a, like if they're just coming on board, right? If they're onboarded, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, do you put that in every page or is it that just a link on the metrics information page that's here's the library of you're a new user to Power BI? And that maybe that makes sense as opposed to having the page on every report for that static information. But I think like those two components to me, because icons and buttons are a lot about information, mm -hmm. would be pieces that you'd want to introduce into your like normal build process. I also feel like this would be another good use case for like the templating <laughs> of things. I know there's been a couple times where we needed like Maybe uh, if you do need some sort of slider navigation or buttons that are doing different bookmarks on that page, it's good to stylize all that and, and make a, an example. Okay, here's a navigation bar that we would use. And here's a, here it is on the, left, on, the, on the left, sorry, left. And then, oh, by the way, here's another navigation bar. And here's what we would use to get it across the horizontal bar. So, it, oh, Kratos BI, thank you very much. Appreciate your, uh, your support today. And... This is a that's that's my the support for the coffee cup that's as as large as my face. <laughs> <laughs> so let's but talk think, about information buttons. Like it, like we, yeah. I, I totally. let's not take for granted. Let back up maybe four years ago, right? <laughs> like when we were having a lot of fun of like overlays and oh, we were going crazy on bookmarks. What are different ways on a report page that you can 
um, provide those informational icons or experience without overloading the page. But is what if when do you start overloading the page? I, I think it's when. Oh, go ahead. Let me let me describe what I'm after. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, one of the ways in which we can I think it add information with, yeah. to a page is either like you creating a, a using up white space, right? Where you have a blurb that may make sense next to a, a particular chart or something. Um, but where we used a lot, utilized it a lot, Mike, where you would have a button with like an information icon or something very close to a visual that would pop out an overlay. Yeah. And when you're, when you're producing uh, an overlay of some sort where there's textual information that's providing context, whether that's in like a bubble form or whatnot, you'd usually want to, you know, create a layer that would hide every visual on the page so that when a user is in that experience, they can't click on any of the uh, visuals because then you get this mm -hmm. really disjointed user experience, right? Yeah. And this is why I think for, for people who haven't done this before, we're, we're talking about the time it takes to create a page like this because you're creating a whole bunch of visual elements that kind of stack on to top of one another to produce an experience that's like click the button, things pop up and show me different things on the page, click it again and they disappear, right? Like it's very, um, it, it's a great user experience, but it, it takes a little time to do that. So there, if we want to dive deeper into like all the different things we could do to build that stuff, what are like tools that you can use that generate these things, we can do that or yeah. other ways to implement. But I think we should round out that, that conversation as part of like teaching people kind of how to do that. I, th I think I'd like, I th yeah, I think a lot of this to me judge sits on how you're going to build those items really centers around making sure that you're just not overcrowding the page with things. I, I, the more buttons you add, the more time you need to spend with users just to get them up to speed as to what things are going to be running as. Again, it's, I, I get it, just keep going back to this, whatever, whatever the style you decide you want to sit on, whatever that style may be, just sit down and say, okay, this is the consistent style that we're going to use across the entirety of the report, right? We're going to focus on these kind of things. Uh, it's going to be, hey, we're going to have an info button on every visual. We're going to limit the number of visuals to three to five per page. We're not going to use buttons to show and hide visuals. We're going to teach people, so hey, if you want to look at the data, click this little ellipsis and try and go, you know, try expand and show tables of data. I think that will actually help out a lot. Um, but then that, that again, whatever you decide in your report, just having a consistent language across that, I think makes a lot, goes a long way. I would, I would 100% agree with that. And the, like, one of the things to keep in mind here is even if you do have consistency in terms of like, okay, I, um, you, you can create visual backgrounds and bubble things in That's, different tools, PowerPoint. Oh, I see where uh, you're going with this. You can yeah. grab, uh, like Photoshop. Uh, and, and other tools that you create a PNG image, and then you would overlay a text box on top of that, then group these things together, right? Mm -hmm. And then a bookmark shows or hides them along with a clear transparency on, on the page. Yep. But even doing so, like to your point, Mike, you have to be really diligent about like where and how you present that page yes. to page because yes. it's a really disjointed experience if yes. you, you're clicking on an mm -hmm. icon and then like it shows up on the left and then the next yep. one it's like bang on the right Boom. yep like 
they can almost be more of a distraction mm -hmm. than an actual help. And, and you have to be really cognizant of like, if you're going to start putting stuff on the page, like where does it belong? Are you, uh, are you trying to keep that, that layer of transparency and just have a new bubble show up or, you know, is part of your theme like a gradient where it's, yes. it's semi-transparent. So it sets the report in the background, but you can kind of still see the visualizations mm -hmm. and then have a bubble that, you know, kind of gets popped forward. And then they know that they're in a different experience and they can't click on the background, right? Like there's a lot of considerations in there to create yeah. a consistent um, experience where you're utilizing information icons um, mm -hmm. to prompt and, and, enhance a user's experience as opposed to the opposite and i i wonder like how, um where do you guys land on like information buttons are one thing right and i have used them a lot in in uh describing complex calculations that yes. potentially are, aren't yes. really like easily understandable yeah um but what about like remember we used to like uh create the the panel on the yeah. left hand side that would almost be your menu buttons Yes. Is that something you do anymore? Because like one of those mm. buttons I could see is just information. Where, or... where would you like for an audience? If I, if I have a new user experience or a new user, do you, do you embed that in a report anymore? Or mm. is it a link that you then take them somewhere else because it's the same standard stuff? Cause I know we used to build that all the time on the left yes. hand side where yep. you'd have just the, the icons in yep. every report, but it's very time consuming. So I, I think where I would go with some of this, I'm going to add another layer of complexity to this onion, I guess. I, I like where you're going with that Seth. And I agree with you. I think it's in the left hand nav. I think there's for sure on almost every report, there needs to be some kind of help button or something that's kind of supporting what calculations are being used, if there's any kind of little, you know, um, assistance pieces. So I think that's something that needs to go along with many reports. Again, I'd also argue here, where if we talk about the spectrum of reporting in your organization, the higher you go to more governed or um, enterprise level reporting, the more you should be thinking about this. The lower in the organization, you're talking like a single user, like if I'm building a report for myself, I don't think I need this. Yeah. I can just skip it and move on even at the maybe departmental level, right? There may be enough information provided that the team and the department knows what's going on. I think there's a, oh man, there's too many, too many thoughts here. I'm gonna try to organize my thoughts here. So first thought is <laughs> this, the size of the audience, I think really you have to accommodate more and more people and their different understandings of how they work with data. So again, the larger the data set becomes, you're into the enterprise, you're trying to service the largest amount of reports, the, the, you're trying to service the most amount of people with that report base, right? So in that experience, you have to assume there's gonna be a wide range of people understanding like, what does this calculation mean? Does this color mean good or bad? Are we doing red and green for like, you know, do we have, you know, color, uh, are there any kind of colorblind issues? That the larger that audience get, gets, the more mindful we should be around that. The smaller audiences, you can cut corners a bit more, but those are also more of your fast prototyping type reports as well. So I think that's one thing that I would kind of echo here. But set to your point, and I'm really circling around here full time now, I want to also add in the idea here, there's this thing, the apps. So just how you distribute your reports, I think also impacts a little bit here as well. So if you have a common data model and you have multiple thin reports, Seth, you're talking about the consistent experience of like there's a nav bar on the left and it's like, one report page of a, maybe three or four of them. 
Well, add to that complexity, multiple reports, multiple branding across different data sets across those different reports. I mean, you could have a whole bunch of other issues here at the app level. And we've also talked in length about like, how do you add like a help page inside the app? That might also be a separate report all by itself, just or a Word document or an Excel sheet that you can embed in there as well and put all the definitions of things in addition to all of your other details for your reports. So I think it, it just adds more layered features the deeper you go. I really like that idea because if you think about some, a lot of the presentations we've done, but predominantly you in the past, right? Like you, mm -hmm. Mike's not a fan of PowerPoint. If anybody hate like PowerPoint. He'd rather he'd rather present in Power BI desktop, which oh, from yeah. day one, he's probably one of the best to do at it. Um, <laughs> but if you think about it, I force myself to it, it, like the, the app uh, sharing reports in an app would be a great way to like, uh, have an information icon in a mm -hmm. report that would that would point you to that report for the yeah, like drill. the beginner the beginner yep. right because yep. that way I can create a tab that says drill through and then text textually build that experience of showing them practically totally. what things look like in that report and, yes. and guide them through the when you click this button, you're yes. going to be taken to another page. And this exactly. is called drill through whenever you yep. see this thing. And then they can actually go through that experience. And whether that's on, and, and it, even better, if it's on a familiar data set, right? Yep. It may not be the exact report, but now you have an inner, you're basically building an interactive teaching tool yes. that you could use as the over, header in all over of your apps. and over. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about, if you spend some time at this at the report level, you technically could embed that into every app that is important to a large enough audience. So you could have right. one, you know, one, you know, Hey, this is, this report will use drill through this report will use these things. And you could actually tee those up. And if you built your sample file correctly, you could explain all the different features as tabs across the bottom. And then just, you know, when you click the help button, it takes you here, here's the features this report uses. And you can just hide what you don't want to see what people to see. And you could reuse that multiple times. Interesting. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if you would like there's so much that I wonder if like you just build an entire app as a library of different like report areas that people would dive through. It, it, it's part of the Rather user, than a single report. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> well, here's the thing, though, too. Yes, it's it's slightly a little more work to do that um, and like to set that all up to get it working right. But the thing is, like, there's a huge difference when you really take away from just trying to put a bunch of visuals on the page and that little, whether it is maybe a text box for use for a, um, to be a bar or a separator. And yeah, it does take that planning and it's something that you're not, you're no longer really um, as flexible in Power BI. And that's, to, I think why a lot of people don't do it in their reports is Power BI allows us to be so flexible and dynamic with changing things up. And mm -hmm. when we want to add more layers to it, then what really happens is we get restricted because then it's going to affect everything else where, um, yeah, there's grouping, but I think a lot of us are like, well, just give me a white background. And when I need to change the visuals around, I'll do it rather than try to manage 50 layers of objects, but it does make a huge difference. But if, but I hear what you're saying, like, to me, that sounds like a personal or departmental type report. Like, being a little unstructured, going quickly, moving fast, like that's fine. But I think, you know, the more governance you get, the more you want to have an increasing rigor 
around like you know keeping things straightened out and aligning again i think it's if, if you add so much stuff to the page i think you just lose your user and 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 the data may be relevant and solid but they stop interacting with the report just because it's too confusing anyways i'm not sure if that's i don't know how to like resolve oh. it all i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just being mindful of like how to be considered those things as well well but you get it because it goes it always goes back on us where we're already doing the data model as it is and we're never really going to get that um you you more likely they're not going to get that assistance of having other the i'm just going to worry about the data model and everyone else can do the visuals and again most data visualization tools out there they're they're less um uh flexible or in a sense like free form and they're more uh you kind of like you have to put a bar chart in this top right corner here's the visual you can choose from but that also allows you to have that nice visual side of it you know power bi is literally a blank canvas so but again it's just in order to do that and it's not even like really a template would work either because that's my other thought because a, a template well, well yeah. think about it this way i i kind of disagree with your point there tommy like you're saying just don't do it because it takes a lot of time i feel like you're saying and maybe you're not saying that but i'm also thinking like if i'm going to take time to start training like there's there's this audience of individuals that are just going to consume this one report so there's a couple of things like we're comfortable with like working around power bi because we've been doing this forever a lot of people are not comfortable with power bi because they just have started to use it and see it so me i'm always looking to what's the least amount of work i can spend on something and make the largest amount of impact that that's always on my mind and so one way to do this is build a demo report and actually we have a number of you we have a whole youtube series on just very simple features one such being drill through and it's literally like a whole bunch of youtube videos where we just have a number of hey here's a couple here's a couple quick you know here's how to use a bookmark here's how to use a button here's how to use this and we just have a short you know three or four videos that just kind of explain this stuff giving some people some ideas around how it would how, how easy it would be to build content around helping users understand the report consumption of things so like that to me like i want to i want to build one report that i can put in every app and have everyone have the same level of information and that way we start scaling everyone up to the same degree and maybe they self-discover it a little bit but that's okay but i want to do it once and that's maybe maybe i'm missing your point tommy around like you know why you're trying to say no it's too much time or effort and you know adding a little stylized thing here or there like i get it but i think I think if we're talking like trying to explain how buttons work and what they're supposed to be doing, I think you want to document what that language of visualization means to your organization. Make a make a report, put it in the app, and call it the help page or well, pages. Yeah, and I don't think necessarily that it's about the documentation. I think it's about the flexibility of if you were to even create that template, right? Um, and let's say go on, let's go to the example on the Power uh, Power BI gallery. Well. The thing is like that particular layout, if you wanted to create a new report, and let's say that was off a template, the idea of someone trying, like just trying to slightly modify that because of, we know this again with all the games and the uh, things that people have created in Power BI, which I, <laughs> I never should have, um, to make a slight tweak to that affects every single part of that. It doesn't necessarily all move together. So a template wouldn't work because to me, um, because 
once you're going to have to edit it and it's not really like a template where you can kind of set up and go from the, the formatting and the, uh, not necessarily the data visual side, but from the object side. It, but I, I don't know if I agree with that, right? The, the interesting thing in my mind is we're, as we're talking about that from a template perspective is typically information, informational buttons are, are a, are after you build the report. Yes. Right. But at the same time, if I'm creating a consistent experience for end users, at like every report page is going to have one. So I, I mm -hmm. could technically template out build like the beginning of those objects and just know that I'm going to like my template has the bookmarks and this information icon that I can then tweak at the end and move it around where I would need to or load up whatever image. But there are there are absolutely ways you could create a simplified experience if you're thinking about this from the get-go, right? Um, we And we've used this all the time and pushed templates or scrims or, you know, the background images of, hey, this is what my reports look like. Even if it changes color and whatnot, if a consistent experience is, I'm going to add in this bar for navigation and information icons, and then I add those into my template, then it, then I'm reducing, there, there are absolutely ways to reduce the amount of time it takes to implement these features that help that experience for the end user and whether or not you use them, it wouldn't matter, right? Because the consistent part would be everybody knows that this bar is where I'm going to go navigate from or where the information icons come if I chose to put them into a report. So you're not, you're not relegated to do it, but I think you could definitely streamline that process of like creating the objects every single time on every page. I agree. I'm, I'm also, I'm listening to the chat here and um, Mark is saying something about good reports are time consuming, but this is in direct conflict with the instant gratification world we live in. Everyone wants the info right now, and they don't want to really spend time to make it easy or, or interesting to look at. And I 100% agree with this one. But again, I'll keep I'll keep leaning on like, what is your audience? How large is your audience? And uh, the larger that audience is, the more care and time you want to present around some of those, you know, stylistic so the, things. And but you're oh, go ahead. No, I'm I was going to say, Tommy, like the, go ahead. I was going to say with Tommy, it's like, Tommy, you're making this point around Harvey is so flexible. I 100% agree with you, but I think you're, I think you're intentionally trying to sacrifice some flexibility. Like this is an intentional thing. As a designer, you're going to sacrifice flexibility to lock down to make it easier for the user. Yes, I understand you can do a ton of reports and all these different things all over the place, but how can you optimize that in a way that, again, it, it just, it's much harder even when you're talking about multiple people building reports too. Like doing one report for one person, like if you, Tom, you're the one always building reports. Yeah, fine. Set your standard internally. You know how to do it. Center your titles, make a theme file, move on, done. Keep going. Right. As soon as you start working at like a team of like four, five, six, 10, 15, like how do you across that entire team start working on like the language of your reporting across everyone of course, you're going to start sacrificing some of that flexibility and starting to try to lock people down. And it's hard. So the counter the counter argument to, to Mark is that, yes, everybody wants things fast. But all of us have put so many reports and data in front of people that inevitably you know what's going to happen in most cases where you're developing reports that are power, especially that are built in Power BI because we are aggregating, we're summing, we're filtering, well, there's a whole bunch of hidden things to an end user that 
they need to understand the context of what they're looking at in order to drive into the insight that they're specifically looking for. Mm -hmm. So the instant gratification thing is, is one part of it, but to use that as an excuse of like not putting in the, the bare minimum information of information for that end user is, is going to cause you so many, so much grief in terms of user support, bugs reported it people not understanding or being able to use the report in the right way because they don't they're not the author they're just they don't know what it is if you don't provide them that context like the world of hurt you create on the other end of that and thrash for yourself or your team it, it far outweigh like building that information icon and providing that upfront and util and taking that time far outweighs the time that that you would spend on the other side of that trying to like support then all these reports that are in the wild that nobody knows how to use or there's confusion around or the next new user that comes on board you're going to answer the same question over and over and over and over again greg baldini makes a really great comment to your point there seth you know um audience size is important if you expect people to spend a collective hundreds of hours listening to something, a report, and he, he had another comment here, right? Imagine you're a speaker and you're going to talk to an audience of 500 people for 30 minutes. That's 250 person hours of listening mm -hmm. to what you're communicating, right? You're trying to, you're trying to get that, that audience on the same wavelength that you are. Well, if you're going to, if that level of knowledge transfer is occurring, right? 250 hours of absorbing that information. It's not unreasonable to take a week to prep for that kind of content, right? That yeah. the, the more the audience increases, the more you're going to potentially impact people. And, and then I, I kind of comment, well, maybe that maybe that's why we should spend more time prepping for the podcast. <laughs> Good thing there's only what a couple of people about? watching. What are you it. talking about? Hours, <laughs> hours of develop time. I was just kidding. We should add more hours to the prepping of yeah, the podcast. That's, that's what, what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. We're talking about. Well, so so Mark again says, unfortunately, there are many builders that don't hear the message we're talking about here. That's why we're talking about it, right? Like we we if if you guys find value in in the ideas that we're talking about, and it's not like all of this is brand new, but at the same time, it's our jobs to start to disseminate this information outwards yeah. to other people, so that it's not the anomaly where every like we're taking our collective experiences of people in the chat ourselves to enhance our report building and our the way we create and build insights for people right and that's the whole purpose of this you're, you're yeah. right if we keep this in a microcosm and we don't tell people that hey there's some great ideas you guys you guys should come listen to the podcast or you share these ideas with other mm -hmm. people in an organization that's how change happens it's when yeah collectively we're coming up with these ideas which is why we like the three of us have had these conversations albeit not in mm -hmm. the same frequency since we started the podcast but the value that uh comes out of that conversation is new different ways you're going to tweak something or uh you're going to think about implementing something in a new way that you didn't because somebody else had an idea and this is wh why i think there's so much great back and forth in the live um, podcast episodes here with the audience is the audience is giving us all those ideas as well. So what we need to do in this little community or microcosm is just share those out further instead of saying like, oh yeah, nobody does it that way. 
Well, mm-hmm. that, that's why we're talking about it. Like, what are different ways in which we can enhance an experience that is as stimulating as buttons and icons, right? Like in, in, a, in yes. a conversation, it's yeah. to, like, I think push each other and, and uh, to to grow and, and just enhance enhance your area of knowledge and implementation with a wider audience. And it's always the people problem, right? How do you take the insights? How do we all know how to do the development? It's the interaction and engagement of end users that I think is the most important part. And this conversation kind of butts into that. Mm-hmm. I found another report. This has got an interesting, so just the, the creativity of people is just awesome. I found another report here, just looking through the, um, the gallery, the data store gallery at Power BI. Someone has the stock exchange dash, dashboard where you can look at like index sectors. There's a lot of buttons on there. But I, I guess I, as I look through and click on things, I, again, my immediate reaction to some of the stuff is sometimes people put stuff on pages that don't look like buttons. And man, I can't. The number of reports that I've gone through and I'm just clicking on open space because things don't look like buttons. They're not, there's not a drop shadow. There's not like a, a rounded edge. Like you've, you've got to think about buttons or things as like as objects on the page. You've got to highlight them. You've got to pop them a bit so that people understand like this stuff is clickable. I just feel like, yeah, this this is so relevant and just being able to consistent language. But I would say good, my reports that I like, right? Things that I enjoy looking at, right? Reports that I like have a consistent language on whatever that stylized options are, whatever that may be. There's usually some sort of like common theme around the buttons. There's a color palette that I enjoy looking at and it's, it's spread across multiple elements of the report. And I think the, what I'm trying to also communicate here is like, I'm also going to try and build the things that I like, right? I'm trying to, like, there's a lot of creative ideas. I'm going to go on the gallery and, and look around and find what other people have built and then trying to copy or build out those things as well in my own reports. Because if I enjoy working with their reports in the styles that they've built, those are learning capabilities that I can actually go through and say, oh, I can, I can, oh, that's a good idea. I like how they added this little, you know, selector bar on the left-hand side to show me that this is a button that's been selected. Oh, or... Um, I like how they added the drop shadow to these buttons or whatever that stylizing is. Start trying to figure out what is in your head that you like and rep- and replicate it. Thoughts? Have we so exhausted you, this entire topic? Yeah, yes. no, no. Do you think this is going to, this conversation today is going to drastically change how you're building your reports now? At all? Um. I think I'm going to, well, depends how I personally build reports at my level, probably not a whole lot, but I think it's definitely going to change what I'm looking at to communicating in these. So one thing I think I'm definitely going to do is I'm going to really figure out, can, can I really add a single report page that has all the stylized elements with descriptions of what's going on in there? I think that's a pretty good idea. I think that's something I haven't really seen before. Um, the help page inside an app. Because I, I think one thing that I am doing right now is I'm pushing a lot more people to use apps. It's a much better, especially with audiences now, it's a great suggestion. And if I can get that one app or five or six apps to all have a consistent help page, because there's a whole education level here about the report consumer that I think is getting missed. So yeah, so I think I, in that respect, I agree with those I two points, right? 
I agree with those two points. Like, I don't think I'm changing anything specific in the report builds themselves, but the this conversation has definitely pushed like the apps. I want to explore that further as far as a dynamic tutorial yeah. of, of yes. a report or reports yep. within there and potentially have a library rather than a stat like where my mind was initially, which is kind of like a static repository of like in SharePoint or something like a, you know, yeah. whatever. Because to, to me, that would potentially be in uh, an area that I just reuse that link in, in all reporting. Um, and then right at the end here, as Mike was talking about the color palette, look and feel. Um, and then one of the kickback points is in the chat that's been going on too is, oh, go restylize everything that you've created based on these new, oh, new conversations that we've had. That's true. Is, oh, man. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come away with it from this conversation thinking about ways in which there are potentials that I could create that consistency and look and feel, but somehow leave the door open for evolution. Right. Where mm. it's either from the get go, you're presenting that styles may change over time or like you, you create an adaptive style. I don't I don't know where that that leads, but at the same time, like I get it right. Like if you created a certain look and feel and that's what everybody's used to, to introduce something new. Interesting. Throws people off. Right. But I, I like that's where my mind went. I, it's not a full, fully formed thought, but um if, if theme I files help out a lot with that from the get-go from from the get-go right that this is a and you're not going to say version one right like yeah. version one theme like version, yeah. this is a version two report um yeah but there there might be some way in there in which uh you can interact with business to let them know right out of the gate that you know there are enhancements to reporting styles that you you build over time because power bi is such a um it's a tool that is constantly evolving, right? They're constantly adding new things mm -hmm. to it that it, it's unfortunate that I think pe most people don't start continue to enhance them because of that same thing that we've talked about. You, you release 50 reports into the wild. You're not going to go back and build, that's tech to build 50 reports. No. At the same time, like if there's new features and things that you want to add, like, could you do that on a quarterly basis or something? Like now we're on a new version. What you should expect to see in these versions is this. And okay. then maybe the business drives back and yep. says, Hey, I want you to go like re up these, Clean this up. The, yeah. these other ones that you didn't do before. And maybe there's a cycle in here where we can, you know, a take quarterly some of review, them, but not all of them. them. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the same time, let the end user know that, uh, their their engagement of you know in these reports is going to be different and there's mm -hmm. going to be more stuff in these new ones i don't know like it's a kind of kind of one of the takeaways for me any takeaways for you tommy for me the really the biggest thing is it's just more and more um some new skills to learn where there's so much you can do to rather than an focus on a really nice design and really interactive report. But at the same time, there's a lot of value there. And I need to focus more time on figuring out way to design it better. Because right now, if I were to look at what I was doing, um, you know, I, I will call it a little standard. It's, you know, I've always been focused on the measuring of things, but at the same time, you really see what you can do in Power BI and what that impact is. Uh, for me, I'm going to be experimenting more with the visual side of it. Well, if I if I can give some credit to the community here, I've seen a lot of people's reports, and some of the things that come out. You know, Armin 
Armin van I'm not sure. Armin from uh, I think he's over in Europe somewhere. He has the most creative reports I've ever seen. He's done stuff for like Nestle and like cars and like the reports are incredible. But he every time the reports are different. The language of the report, the style of the report is so unique and different, which is super exciting. But give him lots of credit for creating creating great reports. But if there's one MVP that I've seen be as, as consistent as possible at reporting, it's Reed Havens. Reed has had a report. Say the same thing. Yeah. Reed has got a report that he does, like his Google Analytics report, and he's got like this style. He's got a he's been so consistent with like his look and feel, and it's been like popping since day one. He's been changing it slightly over time, but it's been enough that it's like it's consistent. Like you know, like instantly you look at the report, you know, yeah, that's Reed stuff because I can see the the, the that report stands in my mind is like that's a, that's a, and he uses it all the time, like demoing, uh, building stuff, creating new things all it's very consistent with what he does and i think you get again to that point when you have something that's so consistent like that it really helps the user to draw in and make it more consistent for their experience so i'll say you know kudos read for for continuing to have a good really solid report design it looks super polished very well thought out i mean you can tell they st they took time but i think that's an that's a that's a sign of a good design um and a good you know, standard by what you're trying to build things. Anyways, there's a whole, probably a whole bunch of other little thoughts here. I, I still trying to think, Seth, about your your idea around like how do you how do you evolve a style in a report without having to touch every single element? And I don't know a good answer to that, but I feel like more and more elements could be controlled by your theme file, which would help potentially with some of that. You in, in building more generic reports in desktop, but then using the theme file to like stylize them a bit more for you. No, we're never going to use 3D pie charts. That's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Chat, thank you what very you much. <laughs> that's that's that, that, I'm going to make sure. <laughs> One final point I may, I will, I'll throw out here though. I think that Power BI is spoiling, is spoiling us to some degree. Because if I think about the data applications we're building inside Power BI with these multiple pages and buttons and hiding and showing and the visuals just appearing, it gets also ruined us to some degree. Because if you had to build that same report in hard-coded, just a developer building that whole report, you're looking at months of time of building it and bringing all the actions together and collecting the data and bringing things together. Now, I know Greg Baldini is, is like rolling over in his chair right now and just going like, Mike, you're just an idiot. because Greg's like, I can build it a whole report in Power BI without Power BI in like five minutes. Like Greg, Greg can do it. Like there's certain people that could do this, but I think the fact that we are able to focus on these nuancing elements and be able to really refine the UI UX really speaks to the fact that Power BI has been a tool that really has changed how quickly we can get from data, data engineering into report building. And I, I think if we look, step back and say, what was done prior to this? it was taking a lot more effort, a lot more work to get these things kind of built. So that's one thing I'd say here is, is just, <laughs> Greg says, nah, I'm super yeah. slow in reports. No, I 100% I, I, I agree with you. I, I think there's I, just a really I, neat opportunity here. Interface to do all things, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's I, I think, one of the, you know, Mark's talking about Power BI as this ecosystem, and, and it, yeah. it really is, right? Like full backend, full front end, feature development that's constantly happening. I'm sorry. Like you can't, you can't tell me that custom dev can keep up with that because it yeah, can't. It right? just can't. Hundred percent. And that that's the the benefit of of having a platform like this, 
is that constant innovation is happening without you having to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, so not only creation of reports, but especially when you get into an embedded scenarios where all of a sudden it's like, well, the open option is just go custom build everything. And you're like, okay. Like in my three days, it'll take me to do this and I'll see you in three weeks when your page, when your page kind of does it, but not really. Yeah. 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 yeah I totally agree. I, and then I like the comments in the chat here that are saying like, you know, Power BI is not just a hammer. It's an entire toolbox. It's an entire workshop, right? You're funneling data in, you're changing it, you're transforming it, you're building these calculations. Like there's all this stuff that's happening inside the desktop. And I think there's a misnomer that's, oh, it's just a visualization tool. All, so many times. Oh, it's just a visualization tool. It's way more than that. All right. I'm now getting re-energized about this conversation again. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Getting all, getting all into it. Well, I think we've, we've burned through a perfectly good hour of your time. We appreciate you all listening very much. Um, thank you very much, chat, for just getting super engaged and really talking about buttons and UI, UX design. Um, I think this is a good topic. I think it's very relevant and timely for a lot of, a lot of people and organizations starting this new year. Think about your tech debt. Think about all the reports you have out existing. Is there some sort of cadence where you can, you know, come back and review and figure out if you can retire some reports or maybe some need to be updated to stylize them and modernize a bit? Well, our, our only ask is uh, with this free podcast, we give it away for free. We, we want to make sure everyone can uh, enjoy talking about and discussing Power BI. We really appreciate your listenership. Our only ask is if you would just recommend it to somebody else. And if you like this conversation, uh, hit the thumbs up icon. Or, or the like and the bell or whatever the things, click the things, the buttons uh, that are inherently in YouTube and LinkedIn and stuff like that. We really appreciate the extra, um, you know, reactions back to the video. It helps other people find and discover the content as well. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere they're available, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. Join the conversation live every Tuesday and Thursday um, and YouTube at powerbi.tips. Sounds good. See you all, and we'll talk to you next time.